Hey guys, it's Kat. So before today's episode starts, I wanted to plug my Patreon. Any donations help me greatly with the production of the podcast and any audio equipment. The link to that Patreon is going to be www.patreon.com slash That's K-A-T-W-I-S-N-I-E-S-K-I. But if you're uninterested, enjoy today's episode. Bye. Test, test, one, two, three. Test, test, one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome to Brain Food. This is episode 20 of season two. The audio should sound tremendously better than what it's been. I apologize for that. But um, basically my dorm, I still am living in New York City. So I'll open the window and then I'll record a, a podcast and I'll do it. Usually when I have a guest, I'll do it on the other side of the room. Doesn't really help the fact that I still live in New York City and alarms are going off. Noises are happening, but it should be 10 times better than what it's been. So I apologize for that. But at least we have it now. Um, I have a fun episode plan for today not fun but like I did a little bit of research I'm highlighting in my little book again um but yeah today is going to be about well today's episode name is going to be projecting and hyperactivity or just maybe just projecting but I'm going to talk about hyperactivity and just depression stuff like that coping mechanisms that we use sorry I moved a pen um that we use for anxiety how to cope with anxiety fear threats i'm gonna take a little sip of my coffee um i don't really have anything special for my coffee today it's just black coffee in a little mug that's kind of lukewarm because (laughs) what i do is i'll like make my coffee really hot and then leave it by my window because it's like brick in new york right now and then it'll get like kind of cold but let me take a little sip just one second (laughs) okay so I'll tell you guys about my week. Oh my God. <clears throat> Sorry about that. My voice. I'll tell you guys about my week first because not only have I had an eventful week, but I've had an eventful month to say the least. Um, so basically, and we're not even, what's today? The 10th? I think, yeah, today's the 10th. We're not even a quarter into, that's not right. We're like a third into the month right now and I'm already have a lot of shit on my plate. So, as of right now, I'm not recording on a Tuesday. I'm not recording on a Monday. It's currently Saturday, December 10th. This episode will be out on the 13th, but today I'm recording on the 10th because next week is finals week and I have a lot of shit on my plate, um, not only with finals and work, but other stuff to do with college as well, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but I have a lot of shit on my plate next week. So I just figured, you know, it's, it's morning right now. And I'm going to record a podcast episode before I have work and it's nice out and it's calm and I don't have to be rushing to do anything on Tuesday because then it won't be authentic. I'll I'll feel like it's rushed. And right now I have time. So and then then I'm going to be home the following week, which never thought I'd say this, but I'm actually excited to go home. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel weird about it because the major that I'm in right now. Not that I hate it because I do love it. Like I'd much rather be doing what I'm doing right now than like statistics or math or science or something like that. But I feel kind of trapped where I am right now. And I never thought I'd say that with art, but I do. And that doesn't go for all art. Of course it doesn't. But the specific major I'm in right now doesn't feel right for me. Or at least future wise, like I'm always going to incorporate illustration and art and drawing and painting and you know stuff like that into my everyday life you know that stuff never leaves you but as a career path it doesn't feel right 
and I need to stick with my gut and stick with that feeling because if I let it sit there, I'm going to regret my decision to stay, you know? And I talked about it last week, but I feel good about my decision. Now I just have to wait and see if I get in into the major that I'm switching into. But if I just keep doing what I'm doing, keep working hard, I'm going to be fine. Um, but basically, my, my week has pretty much been studying, working, doing a lot of shit. But it'll all pay off when I'm able to go home. <laughs> like I said, I don't... I never thought in a million years I'd be like, I can't wait to go back to Long Island. But it's not even the Long Island part. I feel like it's it's mostly to see my my parents and my sister and my little Smokey, my little cat. Um, I'm excited to go home. I really am. And I have a lot of shit, a lot of shit planned for the next month um, and just months to come. I have, I have a lot of stuff planned and I'm, I'm excited to, to, you know, get into the execution process. But... It's a long ways to go, but I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, even though my decision these past couple weeks have been really hard on me personally. Um, I didn't think it would be, but it has been. I thought I would make that decision and be like, well, now I'm going to be happy now. But that's a big decision to make to change your major that drastically, especially when it's not your money to spend college-wise and of course my parents are supportive and they support everything that I do as long as I work hard but at the same time it's it's still nerve-wracking you know because you're like I already made the wrong decision once what if I do it again but that's just my overthinking coming into play and that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode I have a lot of shit planned to read out of this book because this book is fucking great um it's called I read it two two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. It's called Psychology of Personal Development, and I love it. Like, literally highlighting, highlighting, highlighting everything that I find interesting, and it resonates with me. And I know it's like, oh, it's a psychology book. Like, it's supposed to make sense. But, like, I don't know. My own individual person and finding out about that stuff on my own time without someone, you know, verbally saying it to me is, like, interesting to me, and it's fun to me. Because one thing to hear it out loud and be like, oh, well, that makes sense. But it's another thing to like figure it out yourself and be like, oh, that's why that makes sense. So I think we're going to talk about projection. We're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about coping mechanisms. Um, when season three inevitably comes out, I'm not sure date wise. I don't want to put out a date because I'm not really that sure. But I'm really that season is solely going to focus on like mental disorders um, I made a little list, but I'll read some of them out. Like each episode, I, either I'm going to be talking about it or I'm going to have a guest who talks about it because if I don't have that specific disorder talking about it, it's kind of arbitrary because if I don't deal with it, how am I going to speak to an audience of people who do have it? And I'm just like, well, I don't have it, but I'll talk about it. Um, I wanted to do bipolar. I already did ADHD, but I might do another episode. <clears throat> borderline anxiety depression anorexia bulimia ptsd dyslexia binge eating disorder antisocial ocd trickle to mania social anxiety autism um <clears throat> i think i'm gonna have more guests on the show because it, it really is helpful because i've talked about it before i feel like whenever I start to get comfortable just talking to myself for an extended period of time. I get too comfortable and I run out of ideas. And that goes for everything, <laughs> anything in life. You do too much of anything, it's bad. So I feel like having guests, I don't know why I've, <laughs> when I talk like this, I'm like, oh, like 
no one's ever said this before but like i know like that i'm just my own person like figuring out stuff and i find it interesting but everyone listening is probably like yeah we know like get to the point um but yeah i feel i feel like guests are going to be helpful and it's cool to hear from people that aren't you and you know that you aren't close with because i feel like you get the best answers out of people that you don't know because you know they're not scared of you know they're going to judge you or you're going to judge them. Like it's just a real conversation. Um, but basically we're going to talk about, I'm flipping through my book right now. Um, we're going to talk about projection and I have some highlighted stuff from this book and then I'm going to read it and then we're going to talk about it and it's going to be fun. Um, I feel like in my life, at least I've gone through the two quote unquote different types of projection I feel like when I was growing up um and nothing against my parents this is probably the most normal thing in any household um I feel like I had two parents that were very lenient but also very stern in a way where like you know they're gonna let me do what I want because I'm my own person and they want me to figure out things myself. But at the same time, like when I did the wrong thing, they were like, how could you do this? Like, sorry. Like I have like mucus in my throat. It's disgusting. Sorry. But I feel like whenever I would get in trouble, I would push their lenience and like push, push it so far to the fact where like, it was just blatant, like cat, like what the fuck are you doing? You can't do this. And then I'd be like, well, you guys let me do whatever I want. So like, I'm going to push the limit, but like realistically to any normal person, some of the shit that I was doing was like morally wrong. Like, and I knew that I just see wanted on a certain level, wanted to see how far I could push their trust. And then it came to a point where they didn't trust me at all. Um, and then they like locked me down in my room. They fucking took my door at one point. They took, they took literally everything that I owned up until like, I remember when I was 14, I had nothing in my room except for my bed. Like that's like, it went from like zero to a hundred. So I respect the shit out of my parents for doing that. Cause I feel like nowadays a lot of parents won't do that. And if they do do that, their children somehow come out on the top out of that situation. Because as much as my parents are lenient, they still have morals. They still have respect for themselves in a way where they know that I will never have the power in the situation. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays let their kids have be on top of the hierarchy and kind of tell their parents what to do because you know it's our first you know it's our parents first time living too and it's our guardians first time living too like I feel like I put a lot on my parents plate expecting them to just go with what I was doing because they were adults and they knew what to do but some of the shit that I was doing I don't think any normal person unless they were a psychologist or doctor would know how to deal with the person that I was. Um, And that led me down like a path of like resentment, really not towards my parents, but just with myself. Cause I was like, no matter what I do, I'm always getting in trouble and I don't understand why I'm this way. But like subconsciously, like I knew why I was the way that I was and it was because I wasn't getting my way. And that made me really upset because I was used to getting my way when I was a well-behaved kid and then I was like oh let me take advantage of the trust that I've built and see how far I can push this and then when they were like no 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 I was like 
well, you trusted me before. Like, what's the difference now? And it made me... I don't think it made me a manipulative person, but I feel like every teenager is manipulative in their own way. Um, Because you're a kid, you you don't know the full extent of what you're doing and saying and thinking most of the time. So... I would project on a lot of people and mostly with my parents. I feel like I didn't grow up with a lot of friends, especially trust wise, where I was able to kind of cross that border of like, I don't think ever in my life I've ever spoken to my friend like the way that I spoke to my parents. And I don't think, no, I actually know a lot of people who really dig in on their friends, but I've never been the type of person who would speak to their friends like meanly rudely like I'd never crossed that line like no matter how bad it got like there have been a couple times where I'm like you're a bitch like seriously like there's something wrong with you or like gotten into a verbal thing but I've never crossed the line of like the way that I would act in my home I would never act the way that I did in my home outside of my home which sounds horrible and that's because it was but I'd rather it be that way than the other way around because my life would be completely different if it was. Um, I was very fortunate to have my parents deal with what they had to deal with with me rather than the other way around and it being maybe me being in prison or juvie or wherever I would have been if I was doing what I was doing in my house outside of school because you know, outside of the home, people aren't as lenient and they don't deal with bullshit. And I respect my parents a lot for that because they kept me out of bad situations as much as I was a pain in the ass and horrible child. They kept me out of bad situations outside of that home. Um, and that's where I am where I am today. But when it comes to projection, I'm, I'm trying to put a name on, on some of the behaviors that I used to do because they're so drastically different from when I was a kid to now, but they're also like one in the same because I'm still doing the same thing. Like in this book, it talks about like the difference between um, threat and a challenge. And a threat is something that is in like your primal state of mind. Like you see something dangerous or you feel like you're going to get hurt. You feel like, you know, something bad is coming. Like your mind goes into like a primal state basically and it's like a survival tactic and you try to avoid and there's two different types of people you know generally not altogether but I feel like when I was a kid it was more of a primal thing and it would turn into like that that fear like when I would get scared I'd get angry because I didn't know what else to do with it and I, I would get super violent I would throw shit I would scream like basically have a fucking temper tantrum up until the age of like 16 obviously not like a temper tantrum but I would get volatile um and then when I turned 17 or at least after that that stage I feel like whenever I I you know feel something and I I get fearful and I get scared I either in like physically run away from the problem or subconsciously run away from the problem and it it, ta- it talks about hyperactivity which i found really interesting and i'm gonna read like a little segment from it right now um let's hope i don't drop this book and destroy your ears so it says hyperactivity um 
By becoming involved or over-involved in an endless sequence of activities, the hyperactive person keeps himself so busy that he does not have time to be anxious. He's occupied with the activities he has scheduled for himself and that he is unable to become aware of the problems that, an or that ordinarily might arise to anxiety. However, he must continually be on guard against his activities becoming too routine, for when this occurs, his attention may wander into the more sensitive areas of life that he is trying to ignore. To prevent this, he may lead a... I don't know what that word is taking up one activity over the other often getting often going on to a new task before he's completed those that he's previously undertaken and promising more than he can deliver the man who has quote-unquote too many irons in the fire is a common figure in the business and professional world um i think that's just a definition of who i am now um because when i read that i was like oh that's me and i never had a sense of routine up until I was 16 which was really interesting for me to read because I really really resonate and you know connect with the fact that I have such a strict routine like as of right now if I look right in front of me I just hit the post-it if I look right in front of me I have one two three four five six six post-its for my schedule next week just so I can look at them and and see what's on my schedule. I have a physical calendar because I don't like going on my phone. I like seeing it right in front of me. Like literally it says, this is like how, and we're going to talk about OCD in another episode, but I definitely have OCD. Um, doctors have told me before that, you know, it's too early for her, you know, for us to medicate her or treat her for it because she's young. And then now that I'm 18, I'm terrified to go to a psychologist. So because if they diagnose me with that, that is just another problem on my sheet that I don't want to deal with. And that is me running away from my problems, like I just said, but we'll get to it. It's all a process. Um, the, this is what my post-its say right in front of me. Pack Friday night, December 16th. Meeting, meeting, stay positive, cat. You got this. <laughs> meeting and tutoring session. I don't want to like read the names and the times because that's stupid, but I, if I don't have those things right in front of me, not that my life goes into disarray, but my mind doesn't have a sense of structure. And then I start to have anxiety attacks and like, my and I get emotionally unstable um you know not emotionally unstable to the point of like I'm not okay and that I'm not like I just I'd rather have this than <clears throat> and, and this is so weird and I never talk about this but in October and November I started to lose a sense of my routine because I was just doing the same thing every day and I was like, yo, let's switch it up. And I, I switched the way I was eating and I literally would cry. I cried every single night for the, for the last two months of like October, November. And I could, I didn't know why it was just like, it wasn't even, I was, I was upset. It wasn't even the fact that I was depressed. Like I'm not depressed. I'm not upset with where I am in my life. I'm not lost. And like, like, I'm not even lying. Like, I, I'm fine. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I wasn't fine. Um, and it's okay to not be fine sometimes, but it was so strange because I was going to bed crying, hyster like, not even, like, a little tear, like, 
I would think a little too hard about something. And it didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter if it was my mom. It didn't matter if it was my family, if it was school. Like if I thought about something a little too hard and for a little too long, I would just break down. And that reading this was just kind of put in my head that I need to let myself feel my emotions sometimes because I don't a lot. And I've spent the majority of my life that way, not letting myself feel things because they're just so intense. And I I think that might be my ADHD and my mood disorders, but to blame it on that is a little broad um, because this is a problem that I can fix and I choose subconsciously choose not to because it's a hard task. But I always said like, oh, I like crying and I like doing that, but like, I've never cried like that where like it was an everyday thing. Like I was okay. I was okay. Like I remember last year, like I would, I would listen to a good song and I'd have a good cry and that would be like a weekly two times a week thing. And it felt good because I had spent a majority of my life not doing that because the only time I would cry would be when I was angry and volatile. So to be able to cry in like the, the sense of the sadness like the word sadness was like something I didn't really do a lot because I didn't let myself because like you can't be sad you can't I'd have like this really really masculine sense of thinking like you can't cry because if you cry like you can't achieve things and you know maybe that's my upbringing but like my parents never spoke to me like that it was just I think the way that I perceived them because they're they are so successful and they are so stern and independent people and I was like I need to be just like them and I never see that I literally up until I was like a teenager I'd never like really saw my parents cry unless it was like someone in our family passed away but like other than that never and that's not their fault it's who they are um so growing up in a household like that and especially with a sister who's the complete opposite which is me and my sister are the complete opposite of my parents we're very emotional people and it always made us feel like we couldn't be that way subconsciously. And we were like, uh, you know, and I, I feel like the minute I stopped comparing myself to my parents was the moment I started feeling like this because I was like, it, like it just in general, do never compare yourself to anybody because that, that will be your downfall really because I made myself an unemotional person that way. Even though my parents aren't unemotional, I, that was just the way that I perceived them. And it made me think, never cry, never show your emotions. Like the only emotion you should know is happiness and anger. That, that's the only thing you know how to do. So if you cry, you failed in a sense. And it made me very resentful towards the emotion of sadness and depression it made me think people with depression are weak and it made me a really bitter person it made me really arrogant person and even still to this day I I feel it you know when I see (laughs) this sounds really fucked up but when I see someone with depression like there is that there is that little small voice in my head still like oh that person's weak and like that's the intrusive thought coming through because I was just it was like compliant to it as a kid like I didn't know any better like it was just the way that you know I was conformed to live as a kid even though it wasn't my parents doing it was just it's been inside of me since I was a child and 
I'm getting better with it now, but those past the past two months have been hard for me because I've I'm not an overly I'm not an ocean of emotion. Like, oh, that was really cringy to say. I'm not like this ocean of like sadness and like emotional feelings. Like I'm just not. I think in my heart I am, but I I never really get emotional like that. And I, I, like for the past couple of months, I've been calling my mom just like crying every day. Like, I don't know why I'm crying. Like I'm not even upset and it might be just I'm stressed, but like I've never cried like this in my life. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm going to start going back to therapy because I need to figure out why. Like, and you know, this book is helping me, of course, like trying to understand and, you know, not that this book is going to cure me or give me all the answers that I want, but it is helping me. Um, but reading this, this book has opened my eyes to a lot of things that I already knew that were there. I already knew they were going on. I just didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to see it physically. And this is my new goal. This is my new goal is to face my feelings head on. And I know I've said it here a million times and I thought I was doing it. I really thought I was like, and that, and that's, that's my child self being like, you know, you face, like you face all these things, like you have to do it in the moment and like, you have to do it and get it done. Like this isn't a task that you just check off of a list. Like this is a lifelong thing that I'm going to have to cope with and have to be able to deal with because whether I'd like to admit it or not, it's something I did to myself as a kid and it's kind of undoable now. All I can do now is try to make it better and strive to be better from it because I can't undo it. I can't undo my childhood. I can't undo thinking. I can just try my best to alter it into a positive light in a positive sense because if I let it stay the same, I'm going to find myself where I am now, you know? Like, I think everything in life happens for a reason because I don't think without without what I had to deal with as a kid in any sense whether that's my my addiction whether that's my behavioral issues my relationship with people in general my parents and my sister it's not a thing I like to remember but I'm trying to get to a place in my life where I can look back on my childhood and not hate what I see you know, because that makes me resentful. And I, 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 I can be a pretty resentful person at times. And that's honest. And I feel like a lot of people don't talk about the fact that like that with their intrusive thoughts, with their past. And, you know, I feel like there's a little part of all of us that can be a little bit jealous. that can be a little bit resentful and revengeful. But It's just the difference between us and bad people is whether or not we act on them. But in the same sense, if that's all your mind is consumed with, that gets you a little bit closer to acting on it. So I'm trying to be a little bit more real with myself and be like, okay, where? let's not focus on the feeling of itself right now. Let's figure out where this is coming from. Because if I don't understand that, I can't fix it. I can't change it. And... The way that I project myself now, at least, is I I see I see the ending of a story. I see the problem 10 miles down the road before I even get to say hi to that person or situation. <laughs> like, I don't even get to approach the situation before I'm like, oh, well, you know, I already know how this is going to end because I've dealt with it 10 million times in my life. I don't, 
And I think also the fact that I've never dated anybody. I've never, nobody's ever liked me the way that I like people has made me very guarded in the past couple of years. And like I said, made me resentful towards people in general. And to this, to this day, still, since I've been in college, I have maybe talked to, I, I talk to a lot of people, but I only have one friend and maybe that's okay. That's fine. But that's not who I am. You know, I feel like I could be a lot more social, but I'm choosing not to because I'm so scared of rejection because I've dealt with rejection my entire life. I'm so used to being pushed away, being at the end of the line, being the sore thumb in, in a room of people. And maybe the universe is trying to tell me, no, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to feel this way. And, and if life is pushing you in the direction where you're, you're supposed to be different and you're not hurting anyone by being different, fucking be different and embrace it. And I know it's like so easy for, you know, someone to say like, embrace it. Like, you know, you don't care what people think, but like the minute that you stop caring what people think, the minute you stop comparing yourself to people. And I, I, I thought in my head when I was like 16, oh, well, I stopped comparing myself to my parents. I'm fine now. But I was actively still comparing myself to everybody else around me. And it just wasn't the two most important people in my life. Now it was everybody else. And now I'm 19. And now I see all these people around me. What did I just say I was 19? <laughs> now that I'm 18, and I see all these different people around me. I'm in the city. And I don't think I've compared myself to one person since I've been here. Maybe that's why I don't have any friends. Maybe that's why. And not that I'm unhappy per se, but I'm I'm on my own journey right now alone. And it's it's painful. But like I said, and like I have been saying for the past couple episodes, you just have to keep moving forward and things are going to work out all right for you if you're doing the right thing. If you're doing the wrong thing, it won't. Inevitably, it will never work out the way that you want it to. Even if you get those quick little moments of gratification, they'll amount to nothing if you're doing the wrong thing. And I feel like I've been doing the right thing for the past couple of weeks and it's been paying off in, in little snippets. And I know that it's going to be okay for me. Because I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to help myself. I'm trying to help other people in the process of that. And I'm just, I'm just okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not overly good and I'm not overly bad. I'm right in the middle and that's going to be okay because at least I'm consistent in the moment right now. And if I keep doing what I'm doing, it's going to pay off for me. Um, let me take a little sip of my coffee. But <clears throat> through all of this, I've been doing amazing in school, which is a plus because I never used to do amazing in school. And I don't know. Things are just things are just good right now. And I don't feel like I have a lot more to say about that. I feel like I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, how much time are we at? Oh, it's going to rain today. No. Why am I saying no? I love rain. Anyway, um, you can check out my website at katwisniski.com. It's going to be www.katwisniski.com. My portfolio is going to be on there. A bunch of new stuff is going to be on there. I have a lot of new stuff coming in. 
within the next couple of months, since I'm going to be on break, I will have a lot more free time to be doing the stuff that I want to do. Um, but I will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye.